This is iFanboys Talksplode with Kyle Starks. One evening as the sun went down and the circus it was over, the tent came down and a funny old clown said, the boys, I'm now in clover. I'm headed for a land that's a far away beside the popcorn fountain. I'll see you all this coming fall in the big rock candy mountain. I'm here with another episode of Talksplode, made possible by you, the iFanboy patrons. I'm talking to writer, cartoonist, creator Kyle Starks today. You may know him from listening to our show when we talked about his great books, Rock Candy Mountain and Assassination, and there was also Sex Castle, which is a fun name, and his new book, Old Head, which you can check out on Kickstarter. Let's get right to it. Hey, this is Josh Flanagan with iFanboy, and we are here today with, with Kyle Starks. That's me. I'm Kyle Starks. I'm happy to be here. I, I am glad you're here, too. I'm glad this worked out. We, we talked a little while ago, and uh, we, we timed this. We timed this well. Yeah. Uh, and so we came Thanks back around, and uh, l- 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 let me ask uh, very generally, where, where do you come from? Uh, I started seeing I'm... your name, uh, you know, on some comics in the past couple of years. Um, where'd this all start for you? Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a half decent origin story, I think. Um, so I'm 42. I'm not a young man. Uh, I am also 42. Yeah, all right. We're 42 bros. (laughs) There's some good pun there, but I didn't get it. Um, so I've been professionally making comics for three years. I started probably six years ago doing anything. Uh Um, so what was that? 40? That was like 36. Uh, for the 20 years before, I just drank a lot. But when I was a teenager, I worked at a comic shop. I, I was I was raised on comics, and I always loved comics. And I went to – I was an art major. I was going to be a painter uh, in college, and that was dumb. So I just started drinking a lot and doing graphic design stuff. Um, but when I started to have my – when I was about to have my second kid, I'd actually – I was goofing around a little bit, but not really – doing anything i kind of made a list of all the things i wanted to do that i'd never done when i didn't have free time because when you have your first kid you realize um there's no more free time it's all going away so i figured my second my second kid i would just be full dad like 24 hours a day um and i was like oh i never made a comic i know there's other things on the list i didn't do what they were because i really got transfixed on making comics I never made a comic, a full comic, which in my head was like a 32-page comic. I ended up doing a 180-page web comic called The Legend of Ricky Thunder, um, which I made in private. And a couple, uh, specifically Comics Alliance, picked it up a long time ago. And people were looking at it. And I was like, oh, people are looking at it. I should do something. Uh, I should try to do something with it since people were paying attention. Like, who knew? So I did a Kickstarter, uh, which is relevant because I'm doing my fourth one now. But I did a Kickstarter. I used the money to go to shows to sell my book. Uh, I found I just I really loved making comics. Um, I mean, I, I tried a bunch when I was younger, and I probably have like some little nothings, but not like 20 pages, you know, not like mm-hmm. a full anything. Always making up dumb characters. I don't remember any of them. It's a long time ago, and like I said, I drink a lot since then. Uh, but yeah, so I made a comic. It was great. I made another comic called Sex Castle, which I kickstarted. Uh, Matt Fraction found it at uh, Heroes Con, uh, like I guess like four years ago. 
Uh, and he said, hey, do you want to talk to Image? And I said, absolutely, I do. And, you know, next thing you know, like it was nominated for an Eisner Award for humor publication. It was optioned by the Russo brothers and the workaholics. And as soon as that Eisner nomination happened, I got everyone who had a funny book basically came to me. Uh-huh. And uh, I said no to a ton. I did one issue of Invader Zim. I never watched Invader Zim. I didn't love Invader Zim. I really wish they would have asked me to do Rick and Morty, which the editor, like two weeks later, was like, hey, the uh, Rick and Morty editor wants to talk to you, uh, which was great because I'm a big fan of the show. Obviously, I've been doing it for four years now. Uh, yeah, and so that's it. Like everything, like once you get one thing and you don't mess it up and you show up on time, right? Like they, they let you keep doing it. I think I've been funny for four years, if not longer but i guess the last three years professionally funny and i'm doing it and that's it i know it's it's funny because like i uh i don't want to i did a an interview with jason latour for his youtube show which was like a long time ago and he's like oh it's all i ever wanted to do all i ever wanted to do was be a comic creator and i think that's pretty common but you know i was working at a factory i had a union job that i thought was going to be my career and this was a really nice hobby uh, I never ever thought like this is something that I would do for a living, much less be nominated for multiple awards and work on you know the biggest pop culture phenomenon uh, of the last like five years. Probably it's been wild and unexpected, but mostly I, I was having a second kid and I figured I should I should do something nice for my son. Like the irony is, you know, I thought I'd never have time to make anything, much less comics, and now it's like what I do for a living with two kids and three dogs and a beautiful wife. You live in the American comic stream. I'm living the American comic stream as long as I get to keep making those comics. So you didn't have like a burning lifelong desire to make comics. It was just like it'd be cool to do this some way. The way that like some people are like I'd like to join a band at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, you know, yeah. It feels like uh, that's probably fair. It's like, man, I should just record an album, and then it's like everyone's like, oh, this album's really good, and I was like, oh, I didn't know. Like I was just trying to make <laughs> my whole. You know, I, I say I say it all the time, probably to the point of of it meaning less and less. But my thing is always to try to make the thing that I want to exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And with comics, it's like, well, there wasn't a wrestling comic. And I knew because I wanted this thing to exist, I would do it. And so like, that was the first one. It's like, oh, I just love doing it. So it was like, what's next? It's like, I loved 80s action movies. So I did Sex Castle. Uh, And this was actually going to be the book. Old Head was going to be the book I did after Sex Castle. Because I love basketball, uh, I really do, and I think there's, I think America is, I, you know, it's like there's so many superhero comics, and we go, oh, you know, we don't just need to be superhero comics, and I believe in that firmly because I think story is good, story is story, um, and I'm a big wrestling fan, and you know, with wrestling, it's always like the solution has to be in the ring, it has to be a fisticuff solution, and I think that's that's viable for comics too. It's like, but well, you can do a bunch of different fights and have a bunch of different characters do those fights. Um, and it doesn't always have to be fights. Like there's options. Uh, I'm not for sure America agrees per se, <laughs> but I believe in it. So I'm telling the story. I'm telling Hitman stories, and um, you know this isn't a basketball story, but I'm referencing basketball exists and that people do it for a living. Uh, but yeah, so this is going to be my second book. It's going to be my second book. My but I kind of got the yips because Sex Castle got so much uh, so much attention, and I th- my wife was like, "You're gonna have two books out, and they're gonna be called Sex Castle and Old Head." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm really setting." a standard that I don't want to, where I have to have dumb names for every single book I do. Uh, but yeah, so th- I actually, I actually drew 70 pages of this book, the Kickstarter going on my old head like f- four years ago and just backed out of it to do kill them all, which is my love letter to nineties action films. Cause I love John Woo and I love die hard. Uh, but yeah, it's weird. That's a, yeah, it's like I recorded an album and people are like, Oh, this is good. And I'm like, Oh, well I'll do another one for funsies. So and after, then, uh, you, after then, you recorded that album and you throw it up online, 
or you know, like were you promoting? Um, no, no. I, I only put it on. I only put this first book, Legend of Ricky Thunder, which you can get on my store. I have very few copies left, but uh, uh, the I put it online because so like the I think part of being a creative person is figuring out how to trick yourself into. And I say this now, like because I figured at the time it made it made sense. Um, you have to figure out the way to trick yourself into doing what you want to do. So like if you want to build a motorcycle, you have to figure out how to trick yourself into definitely building a motorcycle. And for me, I'm very very big on always doing what I say I'll do and punctuality. Mm-hmm. Like if if I'm late, I'm crazy. If I say I will I will do something for someone and I miss it, I I I just won't. So I said I'm like I'm going to post this comic Monday and Wednesdays, every Monday and Wednesday, and sometimes I drew I would draw whatever that panel was or page that like in within 30 seconds, like I just had to get it done because I had to go to work and I didn't work ahead or who knows what. And I figure like, that's the thing is like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. Now that I do it for a living, I very much lean into my, my blue collar union raisings, which is that you just go to work every day. Like you, you never call in sick. You never miss a deadline. You just go to work every day. And I get to do something, like I said, that I really love, which makes it easier. But I have like set schedule. I have a set, uh, like I work from, basically like seven to three and then like probably like after dinner till eight or something like that. But I work, I work six to three every day, uh, pretty religiously. Mm-hmm. And I think that keeps like, that's what you do for a living. Like, you're not, I'm not always funny and I'm not always clever, but at least I can answer emails or I can do something. Uh, but yeah, I didn't know. I didn't do any promotion or anything. It just kind of happened. It's weird. Now I remember th- there was a bit I think, in the back of one of the, Rock Candy Mountain issues. It was the first one or the last one where um, you have a relationship with with Chris Schweitzer, and he. It sounded like he was the one who was trying to say you should you should put this out there. You should do this thing. Is that uh, part of that too? Uh, you know what? I wish I could remember what that anecdote was now. <laughs> um, Schweitzer. So I met Schweitzer because of Ricky Thunder because I had extra copies, and I'd been. He was sort of in the small social circle I had with when I did it, when I, like, I didn't know any, I knew like a handful of people and uh, we traded some books and he ended up moving about an hour away from me and we became, um, we're best friends. I can say that. We're my best friend. Um, And, you know, Rock Candy Mountain, I I think, here's the thing, like, I don't think a lot of people know Schweitzer. Um, I think they're going to, I think Mars Attacks is brilliant, but Dynamite's terrible at promotion. Um, He's been nominated three times for Eisner's, but yeah, we're doing more and more adult stuff. He so basically, we're trying to find colors for Rock Candy Mountain, and I was, I can't color. Um, I can do it, but it's so remedial. It's just like I know my short my shortcomings are like I I can't color very well, and I'm not great at design stuff. I'm really bad at design stuff. So those are the things I sort of always need help with, and I'm aware of that. So we're trying to find a colors for Rock Candy Mountain, and uh, and Schweitzer in the end, Schweitzer was like, "Oh, I'll do like a test page so we can show him what you want, because then like these colors will know." Because I can't vocalize. Like he understood because he's my peer, and we're basically like uh, like audio visual studio mates. Like we're like you know instant messenger studio mates. Right. Um, anyway, he ended up coloring. He's like, "Yeah, I'll just do it." Um, <laughs> And since then, like, you know, I, Schweitzer's my, he's my, not my creative partner, but I go to Schweitzer. Schweitzer, he's so good. He's no story. He's such a talented illustrator. His colors are amazing. If you look at Rock Candy Mountain, like if you looked at them all, and I think it's, I, I really love that book. I wish, I wish I'd put out just one book instead of two. And, 
blah blah blah. But I think it's one. I think it's it was nominated for an Eisner, and I think there's a reason why. I think it's really good. But if you look at the first book, like it's really sort of muddy and muted. And that was because I gave him these notes. It's like, oh, I want to feel like you know Depression era, blah blah blah. And you could tell he forgot. He just forgot about it for the next <laughs> seven books. But they look so much better. Like, what am I going to say? Um, and then with Mars Attacks, like the colors on Mars Attacks are like really bright and playful. He just has a, a different palette. The way he uses color is really interesting to me. Um, but he's a, he's a big supporter. This uh, Mars Attacks, I was like, oh, they asked me to do it. I was like, well, if I get an idea, I'll do it. And I told Schweitzer, the Schweitzer, I think I had this idea. What do you think for Mars Attacks? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And I'm like, well, they didn't ask you. They asked me. <laughs> uh, but we ended up doing that book together. And so he colored Rocky Andy Mountain. Uh, he did all the art and lettering for Mars Attacks. And um, he's going to color this book, which is great. It's going to look amazing. That's going to look so good. He makes my stuff look so good. Like my art is fine. I would. There's a reason why. There's a reason why people are hiring me to write things. You know, like there's a reason why I get hired to write Mars Attacks. There's a reason why I get hired to write Assassination. And then they're not like also draw it. They're like we'll get Erica to do it. You know, um, I get it. Like I get it. I know what my strength is. But Schweitzer makes my art look so good. That well, I'm happy with him. Let's let's uh, why don't you let, if you're listening now and you like give us the pitch for Old Head because that's the sort of ongoing Kickstarter, <laughs> and then I have questions about art and writing and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Old Head's tough. Um, Old Head's my current Kickstarter. It's running till November second. Um, the sort of soft elevator pitch is that it's Space Jam meets Fright Night. Um, it's the bigger story. It's a it's about a. Uh, um, an ex NBA player who was not known for being very good, but being known for being very tough. Um, I always do tough guy characters. It's just my makeup and his daughter returned home. His mother just passed away, um, to sort of find out that, um, Dracula lives next door and, uh, his, his family left a legacy and he's trying to figure out his own legacy and his own destiny. And then there's a ton of fights and Dracula's and, uh, lots of, uh, decapitations. Uh, it's real good. But, you know, it's it, like the thing is with this book, it's like, well, why am I doing, I, why am I doing Kickstarter? Cause I love Kickstarter and I'd say it all the time is that the thing about Kickstarter is so great is that you don't just get a book, you get a book and a bunch of stickers or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather have a book and stickers than go to an LCS and just get a book and that's it. It's just more fun. And we get to connect like it's a community, I think, but uh, Old Head's weird, man. It's not like a weird, weird book, but it's a hard sell because I have a, I have two reveals in it, and I wrote this story as an experience about parenthood and legacy and destiny because those are the things that interest me right now. Also, you know, Dracula's are basically sex metaphors or rape metaphors, and I was really interested in that. And also, like, I love basketball, so I get to do some basketball stuff. Um, but if you don't like basketball or Dracula's, I think it's a, a really good book. I think it's fun. It's funny. It's an action romp, which is kind of my thing. Um, but anyway, I made this book. It's like, hey, guys, just trust me. It's going to be good. And realize, like, I might not quite have the name value yet. <laughs> to just be like, hey, trust me. It'll be good. Um, that you well, still have to be able to sell things. But. That's what I was interested in is that, you know, you've done a couple of books. I, I'd say that you could call them culty. I don't think, you know, it's not necessarily like they were they were like – hugely known but you know did you gain a bunch of followers from the books that you've done i'm I'm imagining the eisners helped a lot it keep it keeps going up a lot i you know i really i really thought that doing rick and morty would be like my me doing a run on spider-man yeah i I mean i love the thing is i love rick and morty i'm happy to do it but it's like oh i'm gonna do this book and like it's one of the best-selling books especially non-big two It's, it's one of the top sellers every month but it's like, you know, those people, they, they no one cares. <laughs> like, no one cares. So I don't yeah. think that helped me at all. 
And well, like it's my that, that license stuff that they, they don't even see it. It feels like sometimes, and even if it's good or sells well or whatever, it's not. It's really interesting yeah. About even them. though even though all the big two stuff is just licensed books too. Yes. Uh, but it was interesting. Like I have a Patreon. Uh, I have a great Patreon. Those dudes are the best. And like I'll be like, hey, I got the new Rick and Morty. Who I'm gonna give it away. Who wants it? And they're like, ah, we're good. Like I, that's awesome. <laughs> like the people like, and that's the people you I want to deal with. You know, I like right. I love Rick and Morty. And I love Rick and Morty fans. But it's like the people who love the people who get. I'm doing air quotes. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people who get what I do, which for the most part feels like the people who bother to read it, mm-hmm. um, are they they get it and they like those are the people I want to deal with. Those the people who love 80s action, these niche things, you know, uh, that love that appreciate a good story because I feel like I re- like dialogue and story. I do really well. I think I do action better than a lot of people because I really lean into it. Um, but yeah, it's like, you're always trying to build, you're always trying to build always, always, always. I thought Rick and Morty might give me a big bump. It has, but I'd say each book mm-hmm. it's gone up Mars attacks. No one, it, it feels like no one read it. Um, I, which is too bad. Cause I think it's tremendous. I think it's one of my three best books. Probably. It was really fun. Uh, it's really fun. I wish dynamite promoted things <laughs> because it's really good. Uh, I don't remember the question. I got a little bit far away, but I think I answered it. Yeah, I think you, you're you're talking about the the new book, the Kickstarter. Now, oh yeah, old head. It's real good. It's got punches and jokes in it and Dracula's. It's it sounds like it's uh, got a lot of things in it. It's a it's a rough. I mean, like you named themes and characters and stuff. There was a lot of stuff going on there. Is that just is that how your writing id works? I think I think for my best books, like it's it's always. It's like say take, so take like Mars Attacks. Like what's Mars Attacks about? It's about a, it's about two guys trying to survive the Martian apocalypse. But to me, it's, it's about it's it's this reconciliation. It's really the heart. Like that's the most important part. Is like you know uh, we all have got dad stuff, or at least maybe you don't. Maybe just I do. Oh, dude, I uh, totally do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, but I think even and that's like just like two men. I think everyone has like that sort of yeah. parental relationship. And now I'm I'm at the age where it's like I'm on the other side of coin. Mm-hmm. It used to be it's like oh I'm always trying just to be me, and my dad's a pain in the ass or whatever. And now it's like oh now I see why he's a pain in the ass. Um, and I want to tell a certain story with a certain sort of emotional, like emotional um, journey. But at the same time, I want to tell a really dumb, funny, punch em up story, which I did. Like, that's my thing. Sex Castle, which is like, what's Sex Castle? It's the best 80s action movie never made. There's uh, tons of dopey fights and weird characters, which assassination is the same thing, right? It's a bunch of great characters doing big action scenes, and it's funny. But Sex Castle, to me, is again about like, uh, parental responsibilities and how uh, our decisions affect our lives. Um, Rock Candy Mountains about what one man will do for what lengths someone would go to for their family, along with a bunch of other tiny little things that float in there. Those little things to me are what make a book interesting. I, but at the same time, my my impetus is comics should be fun. I want a fun story, and if no one cares to even notice or really absorb these subtexts that I put in like, great. That's great. Like that's, if you, did you have fun? That's all that matters. Um, but for me, it's like doing the fun rompy parts, the easy part, doing the part that I care about, which is these little things that kind of go underneath are way more interesting. Um, and I think by having those things, I say this a lot. I think if you have subtext that has like a real meaning underneath a joke, the joke to the reader just feels like more, it feels like there's more to that joke than just a gag or, you know, a punchline. It feels like that's a, there's something really happening here with this funny bit. So which of those comes first for you when you're coming up with, with something? Because what I found uh, when reading a lot of your stuff, and I, and I think that I think that you're right. The first instinct is, as I look at, oh, it's a funny book. 
But I think the thing that makes it work and the thing that makes it, for me, memorable, like, oh, I'm going to read more of this guy's stuff, is that it does have a, a, a truth underlying it, a, a drama, to, you know, like, so my fir- my favorite writer in comic books is, is Garth Ennis. And the thing that right. I like best about what he does is that, take Preacher, for example, you know, it's ridiculous. It's silly. It's violent. It's stupid. It's crass. But underneath it are these amazing characters and relationships and, and things that makes that all work together because funny on its own is fine, but it doesn't necessarily stick with you the same way. So my question, I guess is like, what do you, how do you, what do you come, how are you coming at it first? Like, what is the first thing you you think of when you're doing that is, you know, are you doing those things on purpose? It's the dumb idea first. Uh It's always the dumb idea first, but, but the dumb idea is literally, I want to do a basketball book, right? Mm -hmm. I want to do something with basketball on it. And originally I was going to do like, um, like a Will Chamberlain as a detective thing. Um, it's always like trying to, like, I really want to do a basketball thing. How do I figure it out? Um, the book I'm, the book I just pitched uh, with Chris Schweitzer, uh, I was like, oh, it's going to be this, this TV uh, mystery. It'll be a TV mystery. And it's like, oh, we'll use a lot of fun characters. Like I got a bunch of dumb character ideas. But it's like, well, now that exists and we have a story, but how do I make it interesting to me? And that's always the stuff. So like this upcoming book that's not been announced, which we've done very little on, it's like, it's going to be a mystery with all these sort of, um, these characters that used to work with the person who's murdered trying to solve it. And it's like, once again, it's like, well, um, what if we dealt with, you know, loneliness and the power of friendship, which is a trope I love. I love the power of friendship um, and parental issues, you know, all these sort of factors that made, it's more interesting how these people got to where they are, right? And then how the story causes them to resolve it. And hopefully it does so in a way that's very, very funny until the, it's not. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. I like it's very, very funny until it's not. And then I can be funny again. But if I can get a couple good emotional payoffs mm-hmm. in my funny book, that's a real victory for me. Mm-hmm. And that's really the type of stuff that interests me. Um, I could tangent real hard into my hero academia right now, which is something that's really popular right now that I feel does this very well, which is like, what is it? It's about the super high school. That's very basic. And it sounds great. They all have powers, but through the course of it, they give everyone these quiet moments. It's, it's about, you know, the power of friendship. It's about how, uh, what looks like handicaps or not. If you try hard, it's all these really interesting little things, uh, that I think it does really excellently. And I, I suspect like, you know, Rick and Morty is like, what's it about? It's about this drunk asshole scientist that takes his grandson on adventures like, that's fine. But, you know, what's really interesting to me about Rick and Morty is this crazy family dynamic. Um, that's what really interests me. And without this dynamic, I feel like you don't care about any of these characters. And then how it plays in each of their adventures is more interesting. Uh, I just think you have to have those weights to it. So it's like I, I like a story. What do I want to do? Um, and then how do I make it more than just X to Z? How do I throw in a bunch of letters in between X and Z besides just Y? Are you a plotter planner? Like, or, you know, do you have everything pretty worked out before you go to script or are you discovering things as you're writing the characters? Uh, so for the books that I write and draw, which is includes Sex Castle, uh, Kill Them All, Rock Candy Mountain, and now Old Head, I didn't use a script at all. Really? Um, I don't use a script. But what I do is I think about it a lot. I think about it for a long time while I'm doing other things. If I, if I ride my bike, which I try to do a lot, I think about it. And I, I tell myself the story over and over and over and over and over in my head. And the parts that don't work for me, I'm like, well, I have to figure out this part. And I figure out that part. Then I just sort of, I mean, I have like how many pages do I want to do? And I know like if I, this is 126 pages and say I knew 10 things that needed to happen over those 126 pages. So it gives me time to let things breathe. Um, 
and but I, I have an idea what I'm going to do coming in. That includes like I flashbacks or uh, all that stuff. Um, so for me, it's like I feel like I've lived in the story and then I just bring it to life. And the reason why I do that is another life hack is that I hate to do the same thing twice. Um, I just hate it. So if I wrote that script, if I wrote a script instead of drawing it, I would be done. I do a little outlining, and if it's like um, if it's a big a big monologue or an important dialogue sequence, I might workshop it a little bit. Um, and it's not the best way to do it. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it this way. It's dumb. Because no joke, like sometimes I have to trash five pages that I completely drew and lettered, you know. Um, but the 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 strength for me is that I can change things. I can go back and change something to make the part better. Um, and I get to make it feel very organic. And I think that's why they I think that's why they're very funny because I'm laughing in the moment. Um, and also the action sequences feel organic, which makes them them more powerful as a storytelling element. Um, so, yeah, for me, don't do that, though. I guess no one else should do that. Um, don't. Uh, it's a bad way to do it. But it works for me because I don't like to do things twice. And um, I've I've literally thought about all of them so much, um, which is my normal thing. I don't I, I don't. I don't workshop stuff out on paper. That's not fun for me. Uh-huh. I'd rather sit and stare at the wall, which I do. Uh, and it took my wife like a year to realize like I was working when I'm just <laughs> when I'm just sitting there doing nothing. It's like I'm actually working. It's just all very internal. How do you not? Um, get I know a lot of. I because I really you know like it's I feel like it's such a, a sort of a douchebag thing to say. It's like I, I really like telling stories. I I feel like I'm a storyteller now in my forties. Like I do the, I really love them. And you know, if, if I have, this is so dumb, but like if I'm lonely, if I'm lonely today, I can think about my story and like, that's a whole world I get to inhabit to make it do this thing I wanted to do, which is to affect people in a certain way. And I love that. I love, I love breaking stories. I love figuring it out. I love finding that thing that makes a character who's fun, who's fun, like then great. Um, I think Buck Tarkington's a great example of that from Assassination. I had a really dumb name. I knew I was going to basically base it on my best friend Chris Schweitzer. I could, I, um, I could see that was him. For I, I know I yeah. haven't, I haven't, I've hung out with Chris, but it's been like ten years. So he's not my best friend, but I consider him. A, and I saw him. I was like, "That's Chris." And I will tell you that. And I'm not kissing your ass. Every time I saw, I read the word "fuck Tarkington," I laughed a lot. And then yeah. two, I really loved the nature of his relationship uh, with his friend, whose name but I don't they, remember. Yeah, and they just—they were—they were just all about. Yeah, they were just all about each other, and there was no, there wasn't really even subtext to it. It was just like I support you, and I no, like that. People can add subtext to it if they want to. That's sure. Fine. I think in modern comics, like I—that's my thing. It's like you know, here's like like when we when I pitched uh, the pitch was soft, but I was like, I you know, it'd be a really funny character if his name was Fuck Tarkington. It'd be really <laughs> funny. And it's funny to me, and it's still funny to me. It'll always be funny to me. It's funnier because Chris was like, "Oh man, why does his name have to be a cuss?" Uh, uh, but it's like, I, the thing is like, I love friend, I love the idea of friendship as, um, as a meaningful factor. Yeah. Uh, and so like, it's something I, I, I want, I, I want Pomona and Jackson to really have that. Um, and I didn't quite land, which is my one concern about Rocky Mountain, but I think the power of friendships are great. They never give up power of friendship. Those are my favorite tropes. Um, amongst a bunch of other things, probably they're just like writing tropes. Um, but I love those two things because I think they're real. I think they're real important to the, the existence that we have while we're on this planet. Um, but that's why, yeah, fuck is great. What's fuck's thing? He's a big old sweet boy who's also a hitman. Well, that's funny. 
Um, he's got a funny name and that's funny, but what if also like he's the best possible friend you could have, right. like is a hitman. Like I just, that's stuff I love. And it's funny, like with assassination, like it's not supposed to be the Dave and fuck show, but you know, it's the Dave and fuck show. And somehow that's how, it, somehow that's how it goes. And we're all fine with it. Cause we love fucking Dave. Yeah. Uh, which is a weird phrase, but I just, I just liked that there wasn't, there wasn't a twist. They were just friends and they supported each other. And it, just, it, it, it you, mattered. And that, that, that theme of, of friendship you know, I, I told you earlier, Garth and it's my favorite preacher's my favorite comic. Well, that's because Jesse and uh um oh man Cassidy. Cassidy, of course, are yeah. you know, they're just it's good friends. Yeah, it's yeah. real complicated and they show it's hard to be friends. Yes. And that's it. But that's it. You know, Preacher is I, I think is one of the great books of all time. Yeah. Um I really lean towards those sort of like thirty six fifty page or fifty issue series yeah. is a lot. Um because I like beginning middles and ends. But that's a, a thing that definitely, especially like it's an escalating bonkersness, and like you can see the influence that Garth Ennis, especially with that that book, has had on me. Yeah. Um, Garth Ennis is is a big influence, though not a direct one. But I just think in terms of like here's somebody who was telling stories that no one else was telling, which is like, hey, what's your book about? Oh, it's about a <laughs> it's about a preacher <laughs> and his girlfriend and a vampire, and they're going to try to fight God, like. Fair enough. That sounds that sounds pretty stupid. So yeah, my book's about the ex toughest basketball player, you know, and he runs into Dracula basically. It's like, well, that sounds pretty stupid too. It's like, yeah, but trust us, like <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be great, and hopefully, like you feel something at some point. That's awesome. Um, let me so let me take it back. You you what were you doing uh, when you were working in a factory? Where was this creative energy? going was it was it there were you thinking of stories that were like if you were lonely then like yeah. had that always been fulminating in the background once i did once i worked to see that i was working at newspapers before i worked at this printing factory and newspapers are very much hurry up and wait so it's a lot of sitting around so it's like well i might as well draw and google thing play on the internet mm-hmm. and so even at this printing job this printing factory i worked at like i was definitely i'd bring my computer in and i'd bring out a tiny little a, a ye nova graphic display and I would work I, like constantly and I would just make sure like if anyone w- was walking by I'd stop because they couldn't see my like there was like a little wall so they could see my head but they couldn't see what I was doing and it's like I just work all the time and it became like I mean it's the same now is that if I'm if I'm not sleeping or eating or literally being tasked to do something I'm just working all the time actually I play phone games I play like PUBG on my phone, like too much. But other than that, it's like I work. It's just, it's, just, and that's what happened is that it became a real obsession. Um, and it almost has to be to, to do it in comics. Yeah. Uh, that's our joke. That's our joke, but it's semi true. I, Cause I like, like I did it, I did it before someone was paying me to do it and I would do it again. And still, if someone wasn't paying me to do it because it's the way I like telling stories and I like telling stories because I think, I think we all need. Like, I think comics should be fun. I think there should be more of it, and I'm trying to do that. Did you? Uh, so you said you went to school to be a painter. Like, have you always been draw? You know, drawing and 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 like, how how did the sort of storytelling part of comics uh, develop for you? Is that yeah, the, tough. I'm not. Sh- I'm not for sure about the storytelling part, but yeah, I was always drawing. I was always the drawing kid in class. Uh, I won a bunch of awards in high school and college for. Um, and when I got to college, though, I, I like I took a year of playwriting and I couldn't tell you why I did it. Now I, I won a contest for adults when I was just like a teen uh, for doing one act plays in Indiana. Uh, I won a bunch of writing awards, too. It's, but I, I, it wasn't my priority. So I'm not for sure why. I mean, I, I love literature. 
mm-hmm. and I love art. And at the time, I was so far away from comics, so maybe I was just still really fixated on how you know on good story. I guess um, I can't tell because it's been so long. Like I don't know why I took those classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I was like, oh, I should take these writing classes. Except for I definitely didn't want to take math or phys ed. That's for sure. Uh, but then, yeah, I, I just didn't for a long time, man. I just drank at bars and played darts for a long time. Um, but I, I, I worked in this, I worked in the store when I was a teenager that, that was, this is a mouthful. It sold, um, it did used music, used videos it rented videos. It was a comic store, a baseball card store, and it had like a little bit of a porn section in the back. But because of that, like you could have free books. We could watch whatever movies we wanted to, and they had a great classics. Like I said, I fell in love with the Marx Brothers. Um, and so I just consumed so much pop culture. I've always been a big TV guy, maybe too much of a TV guy. Mm-hmm. And I think my thing is, like, if you consume things in a way that you're you're critical and looking for the things that you know are good or at least make the story interesting to you and become very critical about it, as you consume tons of pop culture and you reach you know 36 years old, like maybe if you can line all those pieces up, you can tell a pretty good story. Um, I don't feel like now I feel like I've just consumed so much pop culture and my interest has always been the story more than anything else that that's what I've been interested in. I can see, I find out in my late thirties, like what I'm really interested in is not music or movies or comic books, you know, it's, which I, it's, it's storytelling, like storytelling is what's really interesting to me. That's why a lot of the music I like is like that. It's always like song music. Um, those are always my favorites. Uh, it's never. I'm almost never like, man, what a good lick. I'm always like, man, what a good bit, right? Mm-hmm. What a good bit. I love a good bit. Uh, I think that's it. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. Um, people are like, ooh, how do you do this thing where you're funny? I was like, I don't know. Like, that's the thing that I do. Yeah. I don't know how someone can write Spider-Man for 30 issues. I'd like. I. I, don't, I mean, I guess I. I would try, but it's like I don't know how you could do a character that nothing ever happens to in a way that interests other people. Like, that's really amazing to me. <laughs> uh, so like we all just have our we all have our abilities right we all have our strengths so mine was you, secret who knew yeah <laughs> I'm glad you found I bet you're glad you found it I, you know what like my life's so different and so unexpected and I think um, and, you know and old head sort of leans into this I think when I was 13 it's like oh man movies are so cool I could like oh I could make a movie and be famous one day when I'm 13 a little kid you and you're a little kid right you're like oh when I, I could grow, I could do that um, but you don't right like it never like it doesn't happen and that's a lot, I think, what Old Head is about, as I look at it now, is like, because, you know, Sex Castle got optioned, uh, Kill Them All got optioned. It's like, I, I, I went from being just a normal guy, in my opinion, to being someone who, like, sort of wild and unbelievable things happen. Um, and it's like, well, I would have predicted that when I was little. But if you would have said something when I was 16, like, I never, you never would have believed, you know what I mean? Like, oh, when you're older, you're going to make comics for a living. 16-year-old me who loved, like, Youngblood, you know? Yeah. A little dummy, little dummy reading Youngblood or whatever. <laughs> it would have been like, man, shut up. Like, that's not real. Uh, and I think that's a lot of old head. It's like, man, what what is your destiny and what is what is your family legacy play into that? And what legacy do you leave into that? Um, which I think about now, but I think when I was writing it, I, I, I had different sort of things in mind for the story I was trying to tell. But I think that's a lot of it. It's like, man, we, it's like people won the lottery probably always thought they'd win the lottery, but not really. Right. Right. Like you just buy the ticket, but then you win it and you're like, Oh, well, I always knew that's going to happen. And that's how you look at it that you won the lottery. Oh, I I definitely did Uh because you know what? I don't have to, I don't have to lift anything heavy anymore. Um, (laughs) I don't have to do what anybody tells me. Um, and like, you know, all work is work. And that's the thing is like, I've had people say, well, boy, aren't like, what a, what a miracle life is. Like, man, I'm stressed all the time. Sure. Yeah. Like, no, I'm totally. stressed and bad. Um, 
the things it's funny because each each level like if i think of comic like success as levels you know and like uh who like uh brian k vaughn is at the very top uh He's not worried about anything. He's only made masterpieces. Everybody loves him. Everything he does makes a ton of money. Uh, he's not worried about it. It's great. Uh, like each no level, no way you go he's up, not worried about it. He's not worried about it. He's not worried about anything. He doesn't have Frank to. Be. Doesn't mean he isn't. He's not worried about anything. I bet he takes his. I bet he takes it real serious. Yeah. But I. Be, I have a feeling that Brian K. Vaughn's the type of guy who's like, all right, I've, I've worked this out. It's. I've used my system. It's perfect. And then you know, Fiona's like, hey, what if I drew a, da- a big old dragon dick? In the next issue, and he's like, "Oh yeah, fine, we'll draw a dragon dick. Put a dragon dick in there." Um, me, that's like impossible. If someone's like, "Can we draw a dragon?" I'm like, "You know what? I've thought a lot about this, and there's not really a space for dragon dick." Um, <laughs> but then I go, "Well, maybe." It's like then I'm stressing about it. It's like, "Oh, I should have just been like, yes, draw the dragon dick," and I didn't do it. Brian K. Vaughn's not worried about it. But it's like each, so like you know, when you start, you're like, "Man, I hope people read my book," and then you get oh, people. But like each tier, you think, "I want to get rid of that thing that frustrates me," and you do. Um, like, oh, man, I can't wait till people bring me to shows, right? I don't have to figure out how to pay. Uh-huh. and it's been like, But then it's like all new stresses. Like all new stresses you never knew could have happened. <laughs> so it's like each level of success. So it's like it's not it's, – it's still awful. It's still hateful work as much as anything else. But it's, it's, it's great. It's great hateful work. And I think that's probably the payoff. So wh- like wait, a, what- pitcher, like a pitcher's arm like twists, you know, yeah. like a, a, it's the same thing. It's like you get to play a game for a living, but you're still fucking your back up and <laughs> stressed all the time. So what's the what's the unexpected comic book stress that you could share uh, at the level you have you have recently reached? Um, I don't know if I could do it without. I, so business stuff. It, it's business. It's one hundred percent business stuff. It's dealing with publishers and like. Things being things being handled the way they should be, it's it's like the farther up you get, the curtain gets pulled more and more on comics, and you're like, right. oh wait, like this isn't just like an amazing, incredible thing that happens. Like, like maybe you get to work on that property. Not this is not speaking for myself, but like maybe you get to work on a property that you always wanted to, but then you find out, well, that company is really concerned about their how things are represented. It. So it's like, you don't get to tell the exact story you want to. In fact, they have all these notes for you. Like that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Or like how, if you want to sell, if you want to sell a book, um, a great book that you love and the publisher won't charge you less than half the cost of the book. So, well, you never make any money unless you don't sell, you only sell the book once. Right. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Like you never concerned Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to self publish and then I'll have the books. But it's just like, Oh, well it's $8 a book. It's like, Oh, that means I make $4 a book. That's terrible. How do I get that to a show that I'm not driving to? I'm being flown to, and I can only take 50 pounds worth of stuff. It's always something. And then the next tier is like, well, then uh, the next tier is now they will bring your stuff out. You don't have to worry about your stuff. You get there and your table set up. It'll be great. And I'm sure it's something else. It's like they're taking 30% or who knows, right? I'm just saying every tier there's something worse. Like whoever that, that's why whoever who's the most who's the most famous celebrity like right this minute, The Rock. That's a good. That's that's, that's probably right up there. Yeah, like, look, the, the Rock's great looking guy. He's getting to do all these movies people like. He's really charming and affable. He, though he has to be that way all the time, which yeah. is, it has to be a little exhausting. But like, probably that dude can't go to the grocery store. Like, he can't leave his house at all, right? Definitely. Because yeah, it's like that. Well, that sucks. That's terrible. And because of that, he's really lonely. There's all these things. Like, it's never. It's it's always work he's for just someone. Sick to, for of someone, chicken breast and salmon. Yeah. Well, yeah, he only get, he's yeah, he's eating the same thing. I bet and I bet like but it also is like it's, it's I'm sure it's great because he sees the world, but I think he sees the world like I do, which is from a trailer. I don't know, who cares. I mean, I think I do I love I love making comics. 
it's the best fucking thing. People are like, oh, you should do, you should write Hollywood. It's like, I don't know how to do that. I, I really love this very specific form of storytelling. Uh, not that I wouldn't give it a shot at this point in my career because it's a lot of money. But it's like, this is what I like to do. This is what I like to do. And when I do these things like this Kickstarter, there's no editors telling me whatever, like this character should be more likable or this character should be less likable or you should shorten, you know, it's just like, oh, what if you put, what if you put uh, this Mickey, what if you put Mickey Mouse in there? Wouldn't that be better if Mickey Mouse was in there? I'm like, maybe, I don't know. What if you put Frankenstein in your old head book? Like, I don't know. Stop it. Uh, So I get to tell the stories exactly like they're unfiltered, which I love. Uh, which is the best way because I didn't do that for years. I've been writing monthlies and monthlies have their own problem because you have to have 20 pages worth of story and then stop. I don't love that. <laughs> uh, it's rough because it's like that. I'm because I think cinematically, I don't think episodically. When I think of my story, they have beginning, middles, and ends. And if you do it episodically, each episode, each issue, right, also has to have a beginning, middle, and end. So it's another problem altogether, which I like. I do like the challenge of it, and I do like how. You have to, the floppies have to sell the trade. That's how it works in America comics, unfortunately. Uh, but I like making books the best, and I like drawing books, and I get to do it when I do these things. So, how did you adjust to sort of just drawing your own stuff and then having to do scripts? And then immediately you're doing scripts for a licensed property. So, so that must with the been... licensing, it's pretty easy because when I started, they had an animator doing the who couldn't do graphic storytelling really. So, I was doing full layouts, I was doing full scripts and full layouts. Oh, wow. So, for Rick and Morty, when I started, I would basically draw out the book, and then I would just make a script off of it so they could reference it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also, like, I've worked with artist wise Mark Ellerby on who became who took over. He was backup artist. He took over to be the main series artist. I think on twenty six. He's amazing. Like I, I barely give him any. The thing is, Mark Ellerby. Uh, Erica Henderson, Chris Weiser, these guys are master. They're master storytellers. Uh, they're master comic creators. I don't have to do anything. I I can say very very little in a description. And they know what I mean, and generally they do it better because they're better artists than I am. Um, so I feel like my thing with scripts is that they're a little more wooden than I I feel like when I do my own stuff. But also I would never like in uh I wish I had, oh I do have it right in front of me. Uh, Rocking Mount Rock Candy Mountain number one. There's a page that has a fight sequence on it that's like 26 panels or something like that. Where you at, buddy? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 panels. I would never, ever, ever <laughs> ask anyone else to do a 16-panel page um, unless there was a very good reason for it. So I think that also, like, for script writing, you ask a little bit less because you you know how much work goes into it. I'm trying to do that less with my writing because – if it's supposed to be there and it's better, then they can figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been very lucky for script writing is that I've almost I've mostly written for people who are very much professionals. That's cool. So what it's not the- as much fun though. It's not as much fun. Is it? Drawing yeah. is very fun. When I, I spent a year, I spent a year not drawing anything when I did Mars Attacks and Rick and Morty and Assassination. And then at the end of that, it's like, man, I really I really hated it. I didn't draw anything. It's like, well, I'm going to start drawing, but boy, it's going to be so much work because I haven't drawn in a year. But it's like, once I start doing it, like that, like that's because I, again, I'm not doing, I'm not doing a script. I'm just telling the story right there. Right. It's all coming to life for me the first time for my hard work. And, uh, I love it so much. And that's the thing all the way back when I was having my kid, that's the feeling I get. It's this weird, a weird art high I get 
from creating, from drawing and writing, I need to do more like um, for these, when I'm doing just scripts, I think I need to do more like outlining pages. Like I still do the stories, but still sort of draw it out. Cause I think like when I do, when I do scripted stuff for stuff, I draw, there's more sort of physical bits in, in my stuff than there is in those, because I'm like, Oh, I should add a panel where like this happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Where he drops something or whatever it is, whatever bit it is. I'm, I'm worried that middle part is going to be real depressing for him. <laughs> There's going to be a bit with like, what's this guy? This guy doesn't seem super happy. I'm real happy. I'm great. <laughs> Just so everybody knows. <laughs> so, so what's been the way that I, I keep asking you stuff and I'm like, oh, how's this going? No, that's fun too. That's good. So what was hard about this? About what's that? About making comics? Making comics. What's, what was the hard thing about comics? Like what was the challenge that what was the part that, you know, in my career, or well, for, I'm saying because it sounds to me like you started making this thing, some people noticed it. Yeah, it goes up from there. You know, was there a bit where you're like, maybe I'm not going to make it. Maybe this is this is that. You know, like well, uh, I I think every every single time I you know we have what do they uh, what is it they it's a uh, imposter syndrome, right? Uh-huh. Have you heard of imposter syndrome? I. I've talked to a lot of comics people and I've tried to make comics myself. I know imposter syndrome. <laughs> I don't think that I, I don't think that I per se have imposter syndrome uh-huh. because since I'm making these things, it's a selfish way to make, I'm making the thing that I, I would like. And I think, well, if I like it, other people will like it also. Mm-hmm. And now I do that. And like, you take it into account, like you kind of want it to be broad. Like, like for example, like, look, I could do, I could do a 120 issue, Kyle Stark's basketball manga, and I could go just deep. I could do. I could do the uh, what's the Ed Pisker thing? The grand oh, the design, NBA grand design. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I could do some dumb stuff that I I know people just in general would not like, or maybe it'd be weirdly popular. Who knows? But I do consider it a little bit. It's like I want to tell stories. I don't, my idea of what a good story is is very. It's still a very action movie. Like it's acceptable to everybody. Um, but because I'm always making this thing to sort of entertain myself or to put something out there that I, I feel like deserves to be there. I don't really have imposter syndrome, but because I've always worked, I've always worked multiple jobs and I've worked in a union for so long. I do always think, well, I hope this one sells. That's everything I've done. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope, I hope people buy this one because I'd like to do it again. And, uh, you know, my wife hasn't had to work for a year, so they'll ask or two years, maybe like we've been doing pretty good, but wow. Like, we had Rick and Morty. I'm doing a, I'm doing 26 shows a year. I'm doing 26 conventions a year. Jesus. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'd like to do I, less of I that. I did eight higher. one year, and I'm still not over it. I did so, 36. Wow. Uh, two years. I did 36 appearances. Uh, but I make I make a lot of money. The Rick and Morty is very popular, mm-hmm. and you write that while you can. My I always think people are like, oh, what's your plan in five years? And I people always have like, oh man, five years I'll be drawing Daredevil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Five years, I'll have a movie property. They always, it's always something that's like, man, for me, in my head, five years, I hope I'm still doing this. This is, I hope I'm still doing this in five years. And five years from now, you say, what? Well, if I have, if, if I somehow make Scott Pilgrim in the next five years, it's like, man, I hope I get to do this in five years. It will never stop. Um, and that's, I, I just, re- I really like doing it. But I think that's the stress is that, um, well, what's my, what's the page rate going to be? It, can I sell a bunch of, that's, you always want to, my thing is I always want people to read the thing and it's never quite high enough. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, like what's been hard? Collaboration is really hard. Um, since I came in and I drew basically my first three books, mm-hmm. uh, I wrote and drew, it was hard. It was hard to, 
I'm very type A with story. Chris will tell you, you know, Chris, who's my best friend, who I consider my peer in every way, uh, who I think is a, he, this story, um, a couple other stuff. He's like, well, oh, uh, uh, specifically Mars attacks. He's like, you know, I had a bunch of ideas, but I thought, well, he's good at this and I'm good at, you know, I'm good at telling stories in a different way and we'll be, it'll be great. And it's like, I, I really appreciate that. And that's part of why probably what Chris and I get along is like, I've thought about this one thing a lot. I, like I've made this story and you, you will bring it to life. And since I'm also a cartoonist, like if you wanted to dance with it a little bit, I get that. Like I get the dance, but it's like, don't, it's like, I got my story. So unless you have a very good suggestion though, which is why editor editing is tough. Uh-huh. Um, I've been very lucky with my editors that I've had as a professional at, at Oni and everywhere. Um, I've been very lucky though. There are always hiccups, but collaborating is very hard for me. Um, I'm a very, um, People would be like, I know him, and he's the loudest fucking dude. But it's like I'm a very insular. Pr- I, I'm very happy being alone, mm-hmm. um, and I'm very happy, sort of like you know, playing with a stick in the dirt for my own amusement. So collaboration is really hard. Editorial is really hard, for sure. But I say like the most anxious thing, like even right now, it's like I'm trying to raise money for this book that I want to put in this world. This great book. Um, it's like, man, will it get to twenty? I think it's my thirteen. I'm, I'm at almost fourteen right 14. now. Fourteen. I think you're at fourteen. Yeah. I was just looking. And it's like, well, I have twenty, basically twenty days left. But I'm so, it's constant. It's like, because the thing is, I want my kids to have shoes. I want, and I, I would gladly go back. I, that's not true. Um, I was raised as, as like I said, worker. I'd be glad to go back and work again. Um, I hope that never happens because I would like to just tell stories for a living. I, that's what I want to do. I, I think I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm good at it, and eventually I'll do something that everybody sees and cares about. Hopefully, I think it's everything I've done. And then they'll go back and they'll be like, "Oh my God, he's been making good stuff for so long." I should have read Sex Castle in 2016. You should have. It's great. It's so good. I don't disagree. So what? I mean, this is sort of related, but like, like what's what's your goal in co- like? What do you want to What do you want to do? Like, you know, there's yeah, there's just, uh, you know, in terms of making comics. I just want to keep. I just want to keep telling these weird stories that are unique and singular, but also are universal. Uh, and I, I don't know. I'm we with Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty is ending at issue sixty for me and for Mark Kellerby. Uh, we've decided the series is ending, and we can we can move on. Uh, we've been like the bad uh, the bad like store manager who thinks the place will fall apart without him. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's been me. That's been me on Rick and Morty for a long time. It's like, oh, without me, but it's like it'll be fine. I, I don't matter. Uh, it's like you know, I, I'd like to have another monthly gig, and you know, I'm gonna do these. I'm gonna do Skybound, and uh, hopefully, an image book next year, and mm-hmm. maybe more of those things. But it's like you do think it's like, well, you know, I would like to do superhero X for you know a year uh, and see how that goes. So I don't think in my head I go, Oh man, you know, my dream job would be to write Captain America when it's absolutely not to write Captain America. Um, there's probably a point where it's like, Oh man, there's things that I would do, but there was, there are the things of course that no one wants to publish or actually they're not things that people would buy. I love the great lakes Avengers. I, I I love the great lakes Avengers. Um, I did a D man thing for secret wars too. I love D man. Uh, that's a character. He's like my other things. He's like, Oh, what is D man? He's like this guy, he's more than just a big like sort of D-list guy. He has all these other complicated things that Grunewald gave to him that I really like. Uh, and the Great Lakes Avengers sort of accidentally are the same because I'm a Midwestern guy and I feel like the Midwest is always sort of sh- – anything that's not you know, three cities basically in America is shat upon uh, unless you live in Texas and then you ignore everything else. Uh, 
In a second, so that, that type of thing interests me. But I, I mean, I think that stuff's inevitable and I look forward to doing it and I think it'll be very good for my career. But, you know, I think I, I want to tell these stories and I would like to have one do well enough that I can tell whatever story I want to. Mm-hmm. Where people will just, it's just like this book. It's like, just trust me. Can you guys trust me? I'm doing something good. I'd like to reach a point where I can say that and uh, 100,000 people agree. You're like, we got to check it out. He's got a new thing. That's what Brian K. Vaughn's doing. Like, that's why I talked about it. I'm fixated on Brian K. Vaughn. It's like he does whatever he wants to, and they're unique and they're singular, and people and they're well done and better well done than mine. That's why it's Brian K. Vaughn. He's very, very good. Um, but like that's why he can do whatever. That's why he can do this weird space opera, or he can do a thing about kids traveling through dimensions on bicycles, or you know, Canadians water fight, which is like bonkers. Like his no one remembers big, that book. That was a weird man, book. You know it was fun. I thought I was like, this one's going to be the one. Uh, what's it called? Are we stand together. Yeah, I don't even remember, but yeah. We stand something. No, it's I think you're, Canadian... Right, with Steve... Um, what's his name? The guy who did all the Matrix art. He was really big in the in the 90s. Anyway. Uh, that's the one I was like, I was like, this one is going to be... Uh, we stand on guard. Yes. I was like, this is going to be the Brian K. Vaughn book that's, that's not good. It's finally going to be the one that he really laid a stinker. And it's like, no, this thing's great. It's so good. Yeah. They're all good. Doesn't he has not done a bad thing yet. Good for him. It's true. That's a very rare thing to do creative. I'd like that. I don't feel like I've done a bad thing yet so far. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I think I, maybe a couple of issues. That's just, that's just horrifying. Hey, can I ask you, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll wrap up pretty soon. But can I, you know, rock candy mountain was the first thing uh, that I sort of came across uh, of yours. And uh, it, it was really unique. Like, where did that come from? Like, like, where did that start Rocky as an Mountain? idea for you? Yeah. So, so Rocky Mountain. Here's how Rocky Mountain. I just did my '80s action movie. I did my '90s action movie, mm-hmm. and I realized, um, I realized that there was entire, there's entire worlds of action movies I had not really seen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna start watching sort of Japanese kung fu theater, which is now all of Asia. It's entirely Asia, right? Um, and I started watching. I started watching. You know, uh, uh, I'm going to blank on names, so I'm never going to try. I watched a bunch, and I watched a bunch of what they call wushu films. Um, and wushu is a type of action film that's sort of what I took away from it's different. I think than if you go to a Wikipedia page, which is it says it really leans to heroism, which I think still applies. But anyway, wushu movies to me were, as I took it, uh, Crouching uh, 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 Crouching Tiger is sort of one, the most recognizable modern one. It's always someone's going from point A to point B. They have this journey where they fight all the way. And there's like magic stuff happens, but it's barely any magic stuff. And when it happens, nobody cares. For example, maybe you fight on top of trees. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Why did it happen? I don't know. There's a little bit of magic in the world. Um, and so I was really <laughs> interested in what would be the American version of this sort of – there's a bunch – because I said it's like, uh, like if you watch a Bollywood film, it's like they don't feel like – they're not shakes. They don't come from Shakespeare in some way or another, right? Like they like. What is the story? Like this is a, they're telling the story different, and I feel that's true of a lot of these um, these sort of kung fu films. Though not as much. Like you still get the basic sort of you know the sequence of telling stories. Um, anyway, so I was like, what would be the most American way to do this story? And I was like, oh, it's hobos. Like hobos had the best going point A to point B. They had a great destiny. I wasn't even thinking about the song Big Rock came out at the time too, which is. Um, it had to be some sort of subconscious because it was like, oh, where is he going? Where's where's this guy going? Because at the time it didn't matter. I just wanted to have this sort of journey fight. And I was like, oh, he's got to be finding Big Rock Candy Mountain, which is softly magical. 
which is, you know, heaven for hobos, heaven for sinners, really, in the book. And I made the, I was like, who would be the best bad guy? It's going to be the devil. Like, you can't beat the devil as a bad guy. Um, so that's it. I was really interested, and I, I still am. Assassination is very much, to me, influenced by the modern Korean action films. Um, they're very stylistic, and there's always a lot of people, and um, uh, there's always a lot of cool characters that sort of interacting. Um, so yeah, a bit like wushu films. I, I wanted to make a wushu American wushu film. Um, I love that. Oh, and I, so I started reading. The thing is, I started reading. I started reading a lot by hobos. I think at the time I was actually, I actually was researching hobos because I was thinking about genres. Like there's the ninja and there's pirates and there's mm-hmm. cowboys. I was like, oh, there should be a hobo genre. So I think I was researching it because of that, and they all sort of came together um, at the same time. And I found um, what I learned about you know, I'm doing air quotes, hobos in America is is so different than what you think it is, which is not just a bindle and can of beans. They were these really fascinating, it's a really fascinating subculture that was mostly like ex-vets who were coming back with PTSD, who just wanted to sort of live the life they wanted to live. Um, it's like these guys were heroes and they were out there just working and sort of getting shit upon because they were doing what they wanted to do. But there's a real sort of freedom. And I really became, I really became fascinated with um, just the culture and the history and how how misperceived it was. So I fell in love with hobos, which only makes it better because it's not just, I, I don't want to just tell this fighting hobo Kung Fu movie. Now it's like, Oh, well, I want to, I want to pay, I want to show the appropriate respect, uh, which I did. Um, man, I, I, I th- that whole culture was so fascinating. And of course I forgot about it cause I had to, I had to watch all those Korean action movies and replace it. And I have, I have to do nonstop NBA basketball stats in my head because I'm a psychopath. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what came about because I was watching a bunch of kung fu action movies and I thought, what would be the American version of this, of this type of story? I, and I would do that again. I, I really, um, I'm so backed up in just terms of business, but I'd like to. I'm really interested in um, non non American story structures mm-hmm. that I think still work in America and how you figure that out. Uh, so I, I hope we get to do it again. I hope I find another. And I'm, there's, I'm sure there's thousands right now. Someone's screaming. It's like, oh, what about? It's like, yeah, I'm sure there's thousands, but it's like, I'm dumb. I'm dumb and I'm from Indiana and I'm doing the best I can. So it started like as a format, like this type of story. Cause it's funny. Cause I, you know, like, like many people like me, I'm kind of, I'm like a history nerd in a way. And so I saw, oh, I've never seen a comic book about hobos. And so it seemed like it was, you know, starting from the idea of, I want to tell a story about the depression or whatever, but that's really interesting that that approach sort of came from the opposite direction. Yeah, all that post-world, like, like I remember Schweitzer, because Schweitzer's a big history guy. Yeah. And he's oh, he's like, you got to set it in the Great Depression. And I'm like, no, man, like World War II, like World War II is very important to the story. It's super important. So it has to be post-World War II. And he's like, he's like, that's not the golden era, though it kind of was, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the Great Depression was like, uh, that's a lot of people traveling because they had to. Like, it was sad. Um and post post World War II is really when I feel like a lot of people are making a, a lifestyle choice. Uh, it was always making, but you know what I'm saying. I think like yeah. it was very intentional. Like I think a lot of those bets were like, this is like, like man, coming back from Afghanistan. Hey, do you go? Can you go back groceries? Can you go back groceries for eight hours? It's like no. These guys are like, fuck it. Let's go on a train and go dig some ditches. And then when that's done, we'll go pick apples and like we'll figure it out. Um, but we get to live life the way that we want to. It is rot with danger, which like just because it's the you know. No, there was no regulations. Like no one cared about people dying on train tracks in 1945. Mm-hmm. Like it just did. Like who cares? Like oh, another hobo's dead. Throw him in the box. Uh, all that stuff is really interesting because it's like this is a time you could have existed on Earth in America where just existing was dangerous. And to me, it's like, well, what if you gave these people agency where they were just kung fu fighting constantly? You know, 
Uh, and that's really interesting to me. I love Rock Candy Mountain. That's a really good book. Uh, I wish I would have done just one volume instead mm-hmm. of two volumes. Um, that's something I've learned. I've never like I've learned because it was going to be eight issues all along. I knew it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be eight issues unless issue four sold two hundred fifty thousand copies. And it's like, oh, I could stretch it out for sixteen. You know, I could add it. I could add some hobo stuff in there to stretch it out. But I had a beginning, middle, and end. Like I said earlier, I should have just made one volume, and I think people would still be talking about that book if I did that. I think it'd be really popular. So Sex Castle sells nonstop, like not really? a lot. It's constantly selling because people are constantly loaning it to people. Mm-hmm. And it's one, it's just one book, and that's it's like it's like oh here's one here's just one story for you to. That's why I think like these like like that's why YA books do so well because it's like look here's one book and you're like it's really good I loved it oh you should read this and then you loan it to your friend but then you're like man I still wish I had my copy so you buy it again and then your friend's like oh what's this you're like oh you should read it. The people who read Sex Castle are really good about that, and if Rock Candy Mountain was one volume I think it'd been I'm certain it would have been the same because I think it's such a good story, but I think the majority of people who bought it just got volume one. Which is half a story. It ends in a weird, mm-hmm. like, who knows what's happening next? I don't know. It's like right after the prison break. So it's a weird halfway point. It should have been one book. Maybe one day. I want to do a hardcover really bad. Do you think that's in general? Or do you, do you I mean, because you said you, you really like those 50, 60 issue sort of stories and arcs. Like, is it just for that specific story? I think for, for, for eight issues, for eight issues, it should be one book. I think Murder Falcon just did that. Murder Falcon just did that. That's a great example. That's a book. That, that's a guy, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is. Yeah. So good, um, but that's that story clear beginning, middle, end. I wish I. It's a hindsight. If I would have known now, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have been like, let's just wait and do one book. And they asked me, it was like they also like this is how we do it. And I said, fine. I don't know any better. It's my literally my second book, really. Yeah. You know, uh, you that's it. You, every time you learn, you learn something new, and you hope that you learn the actual correct response for the next time it happens. Uh, that's why assassinations five issues. I think in five issues now. Um, I think in I, what's that 120 pages. I think in 120 page stories, I think that's the sweet spot. So you're not doing more assassination. But we had never planned on doing more assassination. Right. They put that they they put that volume one on there. Oh, there's a one on the side, which seems kind of cruel. But we're open to it. I mean, I could do it because I love fucking Dave. Like yeah. if we did it, it would be a lot of it'd be a lot of fucking Dave. Um, <laughs> but you know, we, the only reason why we did those five issues. Is because Erica was quitting Squirrel Girl and she was going on to do a three book deal that she had lined up, which is not there now. But at the time, it's like, well, we have six months. You want to do something for six months? She asked me, I'm like, absolutely. Like, let's do this stupid thing. I've, it's called Buck Tarkington in it. She's like, let's do it. It's <laughs> like, we, she's, moved, she's moved on. Erica's, you know, uh, I, if, I think if there's enough people and enough interest, if they make something, you know, if there's some sort of secondary market thing, mm-hmm. um, if they make a movie or a TV show or who knows what they would do at Sky, who knows? I don't know what they'd do. I think probably then it'd be like Kingsman 2 type deal, right? <laughs> We'd be right back on it. Oh, these guys, we love these guys. I think that's, I think that's utterly fair. So, uh, boy, I think we covered a lot of ground. Is there, is there anything else that's sort of coming up? I guess you, I guess the Kickstarter is the thing that's the only thing you can talk about right now. Kickstarter is my, my main thing right now, yeah, because I love it, and I think everyone's going to love it if they give it a chance. You guys have spread the word so well on all my work. I get, I get literally told all the time, that people heard about me from you guys, uh, so I'm stoked to be here. That's and awesome. uh, I love. You. I know at least you guys will like it. You guys will like Old Head for sure. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, and hopefully we get. Hopefully, maybe I, the thing is we we're supposed to be a publisher lined up, but there's not. So like this could be it. This could be all that exists. You never know. Um, hopefully not. Um, but I, I really like Kickstarter, and I really like then people to buy stuff in stores. So hopefully I can find somebody. But back to that Kickstarter. Old Head by me, Kyle Starks. You can get a button with Dracula button 
stuff. It's good. It's real good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for spending time with me and, and chatting. Oh, yeah, that was great. I hope I didn't sound too sad sack or uh, curmudgeonly. I didn't. That's not Maybe what I got out of this at all. I thought, all here's right. a peppy dude who likes the work he's doing. Yeah, that's right. That's what I wanted. But it's like, it is, it is hard. I think like the work part is really, you, it's like, man, like imagine. Work is work. Is uh, work. <laughs> yeah. Like that's why, look, that's why Kurt Cobain was never happy. You know, <laughs> you think, <laughs> you think once you get everything you want, which hasn't happened to me yet, I'd like a bunch of money because um, my <laughs> wife wants it real bad. Like I'm pretty happy, but. <laughs> If I had a lot of money in a nice house, but then he's like, well, there's some new problem. Then you have to worry about like someone's making shirts in China with your design all over it, and they're making millions or who knows. There's always something. Uh, I don't want to seem like complaining because I love comics and I love all the people in comics and the people who buy them. I love them best. They're my favorites. They're good people for that reason. That's that's. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. In the big rock candy mountain. The houses are built of blocks and the little streams of soda pop. And that is all for my conversation with Kyle. I want to thank him for talking to me and spending time. He's got a job, he's got kids, he's got all the stuff that he needs to be doing, but he's hanging out with us. And he's also told me that folks have come up to him and said that he, they've heard about his books on iFanboy, and I think that is super cool. Get over to iFanboy.com. You can uh, comment on the show. You can see other interviews that we've done over time. You can see all the stuff that is there. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks to everybody who donated to make this show possible, and thanks for that. And that is all. I'll talk to you later. Thanks very much. Hard-boiled eggs. There's chocolate pie in all the trees and jam in all the lakes. Oh, I'm gonna go where the wind don't blow. There's a big free show and candy snow in the Big Rock Candy Mountains. So come with me and you're gonna see the Big Rock Candy Mountains.